America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 205. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, if you think the buck fifty on average per gallon gas price increase has been bad, and it, it's been bad, and it's impacted every single American, especially poor Americans, middle-class Americans struggling to make you know their rent every month, um, it is impacting everything you buy at every store, your ability to fill your tank, heat and cool your home. Uh, we now have some energy market traders. They're betting on $200 per barrel for oil. The average gas price, average now, without including state taxes, is over $4 a gallon for the first time since 08. It is going to go higher. It's not if. It will go higher. Uh, and even, I think it was two weeks into, two weeks ago, JP Morgan Chase was warning that they predicted oil prices would be a buck fifty. A barrel. Um, today it looks very much like it could hit that mark. Crude oil prices surged, uh, 20% earlier today to nearly, uh, $140 a barrel for the first time since 08. And 70% of Americans favor increased U.S. oil and gas production, according to, according to Rasmussen reports. Elon Musk, he makes his living on electric cars. He's a great innovator, interesting guy. But he even put out a a tweet that said, you know, extraordinary times, you know, require extraordinary measures. And we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. He understands the problem. House Democrats, though, they just blocked a bill to reopen the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, Jen Psaki keeps saying, well, uh, even though we put all these uh, exploration and drilling restrictions in place there's still nine thousand other places that companies can drill <laughs> totally not understanding the nature of the oil and energy sector uh we have more energy available to us that could last anywhere estimates show between 100 and 200 years and yet joe's answer is not to drill not to increase uh natural gas production and coal production that's not even on the table you know, we're still, as of today, importing, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of barrels of oil from Russia every single day. We're funding Putin's war. It's insanity. And so in Europe, so are NATO, NATO allies. When we should be, you know, ratcheting up production in this country. Now, they're talking about a nuclear deal with Iran that would include America importing uh, oil from the Iranian mullahs that chant death to Israel and death to America after they give them tens of billions of dollars and, of course, a pathway towards a nuclear weapon. Then they're talking about Venezuela. Then they're talking about begging OPEC and Saudi Arabia even more. And every time they've asked OPEC to increase production, they've said no. And why would you ever deal with the dictatorship in, in Venezuela is beyond anybody's understanding. Former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is uh, with us to respond to this and so much more. I have never seen such utter incompetence and stupidity in all my years of broadcasting. This is not a complicated issue. And the one sanction that would have worked would have been to ban the importing of any energy from Russia. That's the one thing they won't give up, Mr. Speaker. Well, look, I, I, first of all, I don't think they're stupid. I think they are zealots who are, have almost a religion, uh, and they are committed to their religion at any cost. And their religion is anti-American oil and anti-American gas. So 
they're trying to tell us that it's okay to deal with Venezuela, which has a murderous dictatorship. It's okay to deal with Saudi Arabia, which has a monarchy. Uh, it's okay to cut a truly destructive deal with Iran, which is the largest sponsor of state terrorism in the world. But, boy, getting oil out of, say, Oklahoma or Texas or Ohio or Pennsylvania, that would be really terrible. Uh, I just think they're that anti-American. I think that they have some deep underlying desire to have America be a weaker, smaller, less important country. And look at how they're dealing with the whole Ukraine problem. Biden first identified publicly a Russian threat to Ukraine in April of last year. So for 10 months, they did nothing except talk. And if anything, they undermined morale. Remember, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Milley, says, oh, uh, the Russians will be in Kiev in three days. Well, that was totally wrong. He was totally wrong about Afghanistan. He's now totally wrong about Ukraine. Um, the deal they're going to cut with Iran is an absolute destruction of American security, giving money to the largest sponsor of terrorism on the planet. Um, and I, I think it's, I don't think these people are stupid. I think they have a worldview that wants a smaller, weaker, less relevant America, and they're doing everything they can to get there. Well, I, I would argue they, they probably have already achieved that. Um, they're bombing innocent men, women, and children, and the evidence is now overwhelming. We have the videos. We have the still pictures. It is heart-wrenching to see it. Uh, this is a war criminal, but they can't find the courage within them to identify Putin as a war criminal. Uh, Russia now fired missiles at a second nuclear facility. Maybe, maybe many Americans haven't heard yet at this physics institute in the city of Kharkiv. It contains a large nuclear arsenal and a reactor that could lead to a large scale ecological disaster if it's hit. But they don't seem to care. The Russians don't seem to care. Um, you have, you know, very brave President Zelensky, while most other Leaders of countries would have gotten in their private jet with their gold and, and millions and millions of dollars. He's staying to fight for his country and leading his country in this insurgency. So far, it's been impressive, but I, I don't know what happened to this 40-mile convoy and what's going to happen when it arrives in Kiev, because I don't think it's going to work out well. Well, I mean, you and I are slightly different on that one. I, I think the convoy ran out of gasoline or That's diesel. what some people have said. Used. I've read... That report, but apparently part of the convoy included fuel. So I would imagine they'd use it if they ran out of it, wouldn't they? Well, they might have, except I think that the Ukrainians keep killing stuff. Uh, you know, I, I mean, in, in, in those kind of convoys, the most important thing to hit is the gas truck, not, not the tank, not the armored personnel carrier. Go after the gasoline truck. I think that's what's been happening. I mean, I, I was with you several days ago. We, we talked about this on your TV show, and I, I said then, uh, this is this is like a giant target, and guess what? It's still sitting there. Um, and I think what's happened, two things have happened. One is I think they ran out of fuel. Uh, the the, lo the logistics system is apparently just terrible. And the second is a good friend of mine said to me, you know, if if, if you had been lied to, if you'd been told as the the POWs there's a great thing on um, the on Twitter of a of a Russian P POW talking about the fact that. He was told they were going on maneuvers. He was told they were going to go help the people of Ukraine against this Nazi government. And he said it was all a lie. Well, if, if you decide that your government's lying to you, maybe you don't want to go die for it. So I think there are a lot of uh, Russian soldiers right now who are kind of saying, 
No, I don't. I don't think I'll go around that next bend. I don't think I'll go over that next hill. I think I'll just hunker down here and wait to see what happens. And the result has been uh, what has to be a huge uh, frustration for Putin. Uh, he has all of these forces, and they're not winning. And I, and I think there's a chance if if the West can just suck it up and, and keep providing equipment uh, and ammunition. I think there's a chance the Ukrainians presently are actually going to drive the Russians backwards. And then I think Putin will be faced with a huge uh, challenge. And a, a good friend of mine uh, uh, just wrote a book uh, on uh, called Post-Putin. Uh, his name's Herman Perchner. And he looked at all the different ways in which Putin could leave office. And I think, uh, you know, you start getting major generals shot by snipers. You start getting a lot of body bags going back home. Uh, you have a military that starts saying, hey, this guy's nuts. Uh, you know, Putin may be shakier in power than any time since he got there in the late 1990s. It is, I think, somewhat revealing the four conditions that Russia laid out today that if Ukraine will, it's interesting, they're, they're the victims of, of an invasion. But if Ukraine ceases all military action, changes their constitution to enshrine military neutrality, acknowledges Crimea as Russian territory, and these two republics that initially started this this war um, as sovereign independent nations, um, that that might be enough to cease to, to end this war. Um, at this point, I don't know if I'd give in to any demands of Vladimir Putin. If I was Ukraine, I don't know if well, I would. I mean, I look, the first thing they ought to do is say, if you will pay to repair everything you just destroyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. We'll consider at that point maybe uh, talking about having a peace. But I also try to think it tells you Putin is beginning to be under real pressure. And I think that uh, uh, that we should be encouraging the Ukrainians. We should be uh, making sure that they covertly get as many weapons as they need um uh, that now that we have gotten everyone to agree that the polls can give them the mig-29s we need to find a way to get them to them and there are a number of these steps that are just just brute hard work but i'm encouraged that the russians remain bogged down uh and that they're you know their only effective weapon is a missile not aircraft because their pilots don't want to die either uh, and and uh, Two days ago, apparently they well, lost. Well, the, the Biden administration time. refuses to go along with the no-fly zone. Well, yeah, but I, I, I actually think that's pretty rational because the only way you get a no-fly zone is you start shooting down Russian airplanes. And I think we got through the entire Cold War without getting into a nuclear war. I think it's pretty. These guys have six thousand nuclear weapons, and and uh, I, I want to help the Ukrainians beat them. I don't want to try to go in there and have Americans although we clearly could dominate them, uh, given the performance level that they've shown in the last two weeks. Uh, I, I think that that does run a risk. You start uh, that, that's not an war. option. I don't think for America to send any American troops on the ground, but providing the Ukrainians with the javelins and the stingers seems to be the most that's effective option available. That's right. And, and I think a lot of that is happening. And frankly, if they can figure out, we've apparently told the polls that we will replace the MiG-29s with F-16s, which is actually a big upgrade in terms of the age of the aircraft. <clears throat> now the Poles have to figure out how do they get the airplanes to Ukraine. People may not understand. You're talking about Poland. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm sorry. 
Poland has the right aircraft for the Ukrainian pilots. And, of course, Poland hates Russia, uh, but they also don't want to have the Russians start bombing Polish airfields. So there's a very interesting balance as they try to work that out. But but I'm moderately optimistic. I think that the uh, the momentum of the war is beginning to shift more and more towards Ukraine. You know, they picked up 30 Russian tanks where the guys apparently just walked off and left the tank behind. Uh, you keep getting that kind of attrition, and presently you're going to have a pretty well-armed Ukrainian army uh, and a pretty demoralized Russian army. All right, more with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. We'll get to your calls in a minute, 800 Sean. So there's really two things we've got to figure out here. How best to help the Ukrainians win the war and how to wean completely the West off of Russian energy. Those are the two major right. questions that we have. Your answers. Well, I think we just keep providing weapons to the Ukrainians and financial support. And I think uh, despite the insanity of the Biden administration's you know, fanatic position on, on energy, uh, you reopen all American production. You create as many liquefied natural gas facilities as possible. You offer American natural gas as the alternative to Russian, and you sign 30- and 40-year contracts that are good for us, good for Europe, uh, and that mean that Russia becomes almost irrelevant. I mean, What are the odds you know, that happens under Biden? Uh, I think close to zero, because these people are crazy. I mean, you, you, you know, a little... Uh, I, By the I way, no there's, there's no other answer. That That is the truth, so keep going. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you got... When you have, in the middle of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you have, you have allowed the Russians to chair the negotiations with Iran. I mean, this is all happening at the same time. This is insanity. This it's is insanity. Not, this isn't just left-wing political goofiness. This is insanity. And you have to wonder, are they, is there anybody in this administration that's in touch with the planet? No. Uh, it's, it's, I can it's answer that. With a hundred percent accuracy, no, doesn't seem to be. Um, all right, Mr. Speaker, right. Uh, uh, at this time, it would be nice to have an adult as president. Last, last question. You know, most Americans, over sixty some odd percent, think this never would have happened if Donald Trump were president. I agree with that. Do you? Absolutely. I mean, Trump had a, has a toughness, and he ha he's also realistic, and he's not sucked into some kind of fanatic belief that Texas oil is bad, but Venezuelan oil is good. I mean, just think about that. Venezuela has a murderous dictator in charge. Uh, we have been trying to get rid of him. Uh, you know, the Iranians are the leading supporters of state terrorism. Biden wants to buy oil from them. Uh, why, does, why does Biden and his team think that if the oil comes from Ohio or Pennsylvania or Oklahoma or Texas, it's really bad, but if it comes from Venezuela or Iran, or some other country, or Saudi Arabia, then it's really good. I mean, you, you, this is the sort of stuff where you need a psychiatrist, not a political scientist. Mr. Speaker, thank oh. you for being with us. We appreciate you, as always. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. the latest breaking news when he hits the air. This is the Sean Hannity Show. 
right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So we have been pounding the fact that this Western European NATO ally and U.S. dependence on Russian energy is funding all of these territorial ambitions of Vladimir Putin. It is the, the single dumbest policy. But we're putting the toughest sanctions ever on Vladimir, and, and no, you're not. Because the one sanction that would matter is putting a sanction on the importation of any energy. And it would have to be a united front. The other part that I don't like about this that nobody else is talking about is uh, all the tough banking sanctions that Biden has been bragging about. Uh, they all have loopholes and they all have exemptions in them so that Western European countries and the U.S., can pay for the, what, 600,000 barrels of oil that they're bringing into the U.S. from Russia every day. This is insanity. But if you listen to the chief of staff of Biden, you know, he says sanctioning Russian oil would hurt the unity that made sanctions work. Ron Klain, what a genius he is. If Russia continues to escalate, are energy sanctions on the table? Well, look, John, I think we start from the premise that the goal is to cripple the Russian economy, not cripple the American economy. And I think we need to be very careful about how these sanctions work. Um, Why are they so successful? Look, this is the largest set of sanctions that have ever been applied against a large country. It's hard to sanction a very large country that's interconnected with the world economy. They've been successful in doing catastrophic damage to the Russian economy because we built this coalition of countries that have participated and all agreed to imply these sanctions. And so as we go forward, we need to keep that unity. The unity is what makes the sanctions work. And I think uh, that's the first principle. We've got to keep everyone together. Uh, once you get to these sanctions on, uh, on oil and natural gas, it gets more complicated on keeping everyone together. And if you think he's dumb, then you got winking Tony Blinken. NATO countries have the green light to send fighters to Ukraine. Oh, thanks for your permission, Winkin Blinken. We appreciate it here. What more can the United States do here if, for instance, the Polish government, a NATO member, wants to send fighter jets? Does that get a green light from the U.S.? Or are you afraid that that will escalate tension? No, that that, that gets a green light. In fact, we're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to provide these fighter jets to to the Ukrainians. Uh, what can we do? How can we help to make sure that uh, they get something to backfill the planes that they're handing over to, to the Ukrainians? We're in very active discussions with them about that. And then Blinken gets even dumber. The U.S. and NATO are in discussions about banning Russian oil import. Why is this in discussion? You're funding all of this war because billions, you can talk about the fall of the ruble, all of you want, all that you want. But if Vladimir Putin is taking in billions and billions and billions from Western countries, including the U.S., every single day, he's getting rich. And the West is funding this war against Ukraine. Chuck, I spoke to the the president and the cabinet, the leading members of the cabinet, about this uh, just yesterday uh, from Europe. And we are now in, uh, in very active discussions with our European partners. Uh, about banning the uh, the import of Russian oil uh, to our countries, while, of course, at the same time, maintaining a steady uh, global supply of, uh, of oil. Uh, the actions we've taken to date 
have already had a devastating impact on the Russian economy. We see uh, the ruble in freefall. Uh, we see uh, the uh, economy heading into a, a deep recession. Uh, we, uh, we've already had a major impact, but uh, we are looking, uh, again, as we speak, yeah. in coordination with allies and partners at this prospect so, of banning oil imports. It's unbelievable to me. Anyway, I know a lot of you wanted to weigh in here. Let's go to uh, Charlene is in Washington. Hey, Charlene, how are you? Glad you called. I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all your education of educating all of us voters. I called today because of the Biden war on USA oil production. I called some friends in California this weekend to ask, how do you feel about your vote for Biden? I couldn't believe their answer. They said we'd be in worse shape if we had Trump. That's not true. You know what? The poll that came out last week, 62 or 4 or 5, whatever, 60-some-odd percent of Americans don't think Putin would have done this under Donald Trump. And by the way, neither do I. I agree with you. I know the story about when, when Donald Trump first spoke to the head of the Taliban in Afghanistan. He said, before we talk about any possibility of or any discussion about any possible deal, you need to understand something. And th- this wasn't said once. This was said numerous times. If you don't abide by, if we make a deal and you don't abide by every dotted I and cross T and every period and every comma, I am going to wipe you and everybody in and around you within a 50-mile radius off the planet Earth. You under- Do you understand me? And he would ask again, no, no, no. I want to know that you really understand me. And during the first call that Donald Trump made, and I've had this confirmed now by numerous people, during the first call, he also said, and I know where you are. Now, this guy had no idea that Trump knew exactly where he was at that moment and said, I could take you out right now because you're right here and actually stated the exact address where the guy was. So... The, the, the people that I've, I've interviewed and talked to that have been a part of it, I, sh- I showed a small segment of the five-minute beatdown Trump gave the, the head of NATO on this very issue of how stupid it is that we're paying all of this money to protect all these NATO-allied countries. We're paying the bulk of money, and then they're turning around and importing all of this energy from Russia. And when he challenged the, the head of NATO, he had no answer because there is no answer. It was a well, stupid I- policy. I told them if they want their California gas prices to come down, we need a wartime effort like in World War II with all speed for these oil producers in the United States to start producing 100% capacity. It will end USA inflation. Biden created the inflation because of all the, the war on USA oil. The USA all of this gas production. All of this, it it did a lot of things all at once. Number one, it compromised our national security. It used to be that we didn't have to worry because when Donald Trump was president about the Straits of Hormuz, about 30 to 40 percent of the world's oil supply passes through those very narrow straits. Iran likes to, you know, take tankers whenever the hell they feel like it. We'd never have to worry about that again. We'd never have to worry about OPEC nations, many of which hating our guts We wouldn't have to worry about them again. We wouldn't have to worry about Russian oil ever again. It would put us in a position of strength. Simultaneously, 
if we would have been continued to be and grown out being a net exporter of energy, we'd be able to fill the void ourselves and provide all the energy needs of our allies. And that would be great for our economy. And by increasing the supply of all energy in the world markets, well, that would have lowered the price of energy around the world. And that would have been like a tax cut for the American people. It would have created hundreds of thousands of high paying career jobs for Americans in the energy sector. There's there's no downside to it. You know, and I we went back be paying. What's we up? wouldn't be paying these high. We wouldn't be paying these high transportation costs yes. for our food, for our clothing. Correct. That's what drove inflation. 40, 40 year high. You are you get an A plus and a gold star for your economic knowledge. And you're far more qualified than the corpse that we have in the White House right now. Well, I don't think knows that today's Monday. Sean, create a whiteboard and explain to to the to Americans the Biden actions war on energy, how he created these high costs, how like he that. ruined our national security. I think that's a good idea, and I think I'll I'll try and get that bill down for you and show it on TV. Now it's even worse because now he's begging OPEC down for the for the tenth time. They've denied him all the other nine times to increase production. What, what incentive do they have to increase production and lower their own profit margin? They, they have no incentive to do it. He's going to that go meet with Saudi them. Arabia and beg Saudi Arabia. Then, then he's going to meet with Venezuelans and that thug dictator there. And then we're going to let we're going to negotiate this deal with the Iranians. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've never met anything more. I've never seen anything more dumb and more dangerous in my life. Need production in the United States. That's the only thing that's going to drive that's down it. our gas price. It's the only thing that's going to stop inflation. It's only the only thing that's going to give world security. You understand this? Why Joey doesn't? I don't know. Uh, thank you for a good call, Charlene. Quick break. We'll come back straight to the phones. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, back to our busy phones we go. Uh, Jay is in California. Jay, how are you? Glad you called. Doing well. Thanks for your show. Thank you, sir. Yeah, the uh, uh, a lot of a lot of hot topic here on uh, on the uh, oil oil American oil and natural gas, and it was just a an, an obscure fact that uh, you know that few people know or realize that there's just so much natural gas that it has to be flared off every day, and uh, I have some friends of mine who are uh, who are in the oil industry, engineers, and so on. And uh, they um, they estimate uh, you know 10 million uh, therms of natural gas are just flared off into the atmosphere uh, every day uh, of no use to anyone. You know, look, you're rightly pointing out plenty of gas, natural gas. It shouldn't be a problem. Um, but yet th- there is this. I call it a cult, the climate change alarmist cult. It's a religion to them. And I, and for the life of me, and Newt Gingrich said it, and I said it all last week, what difference does it make, to quote the great Hillary Clinton, what, the, what difference at this point does it make? If you're going to drill for oil, the lifeblood of the world's economy, and you, you get that barrel of oil from Russia, if you get it from Iran, if you get it from Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, OPEC nations, or you get it from Venezuela, or... You get it from America. Uh, if your argument is that this impacts Mother Earth, then what difference does it make what country it comes from? 
and you get all the national security benefits that our last caller, Charlene, mentioned, and you get the economic benefits, and it would have a dramatic impact on lowering inflation, which would be like a tax cut for the rest of us. And we'd be able to help our Western European allies out, and we could bankrupt people like Putin. We could bankrupt the Iranian mullahs. We could bankrupt all these countries that hate us in the Middle East, and we could bankrupt Venezuela, which is already bankrupt. Now we're going to make them rich again. It really is. It's mindless insanity to me. Indeed. Uh, the only thing I would add to that is the definition of the cult uh, and it being a actually a, a death cult. Well, it, it's certainly not an America first uh, policies agenda. It's certainly America last. It's certainly, you know, honestly, if it means a 40 year inflation high for the American people, if it means that we're less safe and secure, meaning we, the American people, if it means the world is less safe and secure, Joe Biden chooses his alliance with Green New Deal radical socialists over looking out for the interests of the country, our security, our economy, and the world's safety and security. Because that's the choice he's making. That's it. He's decided politically he's got he's to stick with his base and not break yeah. with them. Yeah, totally agree. Like every other problem we're facing, it's preventable and solvable. Just like the borders, just like COVID, you didn't have enough tests, didn't have any monoclonal antibodies. Uh, Just like Afghanistan, uh, just like the border, just like energy, uh, economy. Go Go straight on down the list. Every single one of these problems was preventable. Every one of them we can fix. But you need strength and leadership. And maybe now the American people have a pretty strong case of buyer's remorse. Maybe we're seeing that in the in the low 30 poll numbers of Joe Biden. Uh, maybe they're beginning to realize, you know, that Trump guy. Yeah, he threw out a few mean tweets and fought with the media and was controversial. But damn, uh, this wouldn't have happened under his watch. And he brought us energy independence. He brought us a good economy. And warp speed, you know what? We had more people die of COVID in 2021 than 2020, and we knew nothing about COVID in 2020. He was Joe was handed three vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. So you tell me, I, I think I'll take the mean tweets and a real leader over a guy that doesn't know it's Monday and has no clue and, and is, is married to this radical agenda of his. Anyway, appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN, our number, uh, if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back.